0: I give them a clap. Give him a hand. Uh, if you if you could keep keep the Pasanchians uh, in prayer there uh, in in Texas. Uh, Right now, uh, Gabrielle's grandmother died, and so we're going to continue to to lift them up as they they mourn that loss, and then they'll be um, in in Pennsylvania after that for a family wedding for Phillips. so just keep them uh, in prayer as they're traveling, but thank you to to Nick for filling in. A couple things. Um, First, uh, I want to just invite everybody to the barbecue that we're having here tonight. Um, If you're wondering, like, who is that barbecue for? uh, It's for you, Uh, so tell somebody next to you, it's for you. It's for you. It's for everybody. Uh, We're... We're going, will be together at five. Our, our hope is to, uh, continue to do a good job of, of reaching out to, to our community, helping them to, to know that we're here. So we're trying to do these things, um, kind of in, in our neighborhood. We'll have the, if you haven't played nine square before, we'll have the nine square up, which I'm really, really good at. Uh, and, uh, we'll also have, uh, the, the ping pong table out there and we'll have the bounce house for kids. So we hope that you can come and participate. It's at five PM. We'll have, brats and hot dogs and burgers and all the condiments and fixings for those. But if you could just bring a side to share, that would be great. We're going to have a great time together. It's always fun to have these barbecues uh, in the summer and be part of our our community here. So please come and and make plans to join us uh, tonight at at 5 p.m. So we are are starting a a new series called uh, Fulfilled, where we're going to think about how I believe that what God calls us to is not just like, you know, hanging on here until you die so that, you know, one day you can be united with with God in heaven, though that's a wonderful thing. What I think that Jesus is, is teaching in the way that God calls us to live from scripture is the best life that we could have now. It's about us experiencing like the fullness of life now. And a story that I'm going to reference at the beginning of of this series, um, when when we're talking about it over the next couple months, uh, is this story where Jesus encounters a blind man in Mark chapter 10, verse 51. And Jesus asks this question to this man, what do you want me to do for you? And the guy actually says, I I want you to, to heal my blindness, and Jesus does that. But I want to shorten that question for us today, just to think, what if Jesus or God was to come to you and say, what do you want? What would you say? And oftentimes I think we can think of religion as kind of this, this restrictive thing, and maybe you've had a bad experience at a church, and it's like, you know, this, this is about like, all these things that you have to follow, and if you like fall off the path, then you're just doomed forever. But Jesus asks this very simple question, like, what do you want? And what's the deepest desire of your heart? We can sometimes think that Religion can be about, like, limiting our desires, and those things are bad. But what Jesus basically says is, what what do you want? And oftentimes, I think the problem that we have is our desires get screwed up. And we aren't truly honest with ourselves about what we really, really, really want out of life. So Jesus says to this man, I think, says to you, what do you want? And I don't know that we always do a good job of answering that question well. In theory, we should be better at it than than we think. Our nation's Declaration of Independence says we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they're endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among them are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And so for 200-plus years, we've been trying to pursue that as a collective people, And sometimes that has worked out better for some groups than others. But generally, for like this 200-year period, we collectively have been trying, thinking like this is the important thing, that we all would have a certain sort of fulfillment, that we would be finding some some happiness, some like deep sense of of well-being. We're all pursuing this together, so you'd think that we might be a little bit better at finding exactly what it is that we're fulfilled by. But I don't know that we necessarily do all that well at it. We don't do a great job of thinking about, you know, what is it that ultimately really does give me fulfillment? And how could I prioritize that? How could I work to make that the thing that I live for? I think we don't necessarily think about the deepest desires of our heart often to connect our lives to things that really truly give us meaning and purpose. If you don't believe that, then... Think about those commercials that you see on late-night TV, and there's the whole, like, as-seen-on-TV industry. And here's an example of one. This one might give you an idea of a product that you didn't even know that you needed, but now after this commercial, you're going to be certain that you want it, I'm sure,
1: the middle of the night. That bathroom light is blinding bright. Don't stumble around in the dark and miss the mark. Now there's bowl light, the new LED motion activated light that transforms your toilet into a soft and gentle night light. Watch. Just hook Bow light onto any toilet. Then select the color you love and let the magic begin. In the dark, motion activated bowl light lights up the night. When you walk away, it turns off automatically. The bathroom light used to wake me up at night now with bowl light the soft ambient light lets me see but it doesn't wake me up Ball light even changes colors blue yellow red white green aqua purple it's a rainbow of color to match your mood and decor do your visits to the jungle on and on and on that bright light can keep you up all night but bowl light lights up the way without waking you up my husband gets up three to four times a night and wakes me up every time now i get to stay asleep Bowl light is perfect for kids bathrooms too Light up the way and kids can aim to please. So your toilets stay clean. Even toilet training is easy peasy with bowl light. My son was always afraid of going to the bathroom in the dark. Now, with bowl light, he sees exactly where he has to go and he can pick his favorite color. If you're tired of stumbling in the night and exhausted from the bathroom's blinding light, order bowl light, the amazing new night light today.
0: Alright, so um, there you have it. You can look up bowl light if you want to order it. go ahead um, but uh, there's, I love those, those as-seen-on-TV commercials because it always exposes you to a problem you didn't even necessarily knew you had. And uh, my favorite is the actors who are just like, oh. Like in, in, every, in every one of them, you have the people like falling down the stairs or whatever it is. And it's just always something. And it's like, wow, I didn't even realize that I had that problem. And now all of a sudden, it's like, that could be pretty convenient, right? I think that, that could make sense for, for me. It might be a good idea for me to grab The bowl light. And so we just kinda go as a capitalistic society, we go from kind of thing to thing and we think, okay, well that's gonna satisfy me. And so I'm gonna throw throw my money there, and then we get it and unwrap it and it's not all that great. Or we go to the next thing and we get it unwrap and it's not all that great. I think a problem for us collectively, and I definitely include myself in this, is you don't really know what makes you happy. Like you think you do, but do you really know? leads you to fulfillment. And one thing that I've learned is a blessing of of having kids. We have a a five-year-old named Carter, and we can give him toys on Christmas, and he has a lot of fun with that, but he often plays with the box just as much. And then when he's with some friends, it's amazing. Like, they don't even really need toys, It's just about like being together in the backyard, and they can come up with all kinds of games that I never would have thought of. As an adult, you kind of learn to not do this anymore, but they can just stay in the backyard and play with things. You're like, how is that even possible? How did you make that into a whatever it now is? And so as as you watch kids play, you you recognize that it's not about a what, it's about a who. That it's about the relationship that you have with, with whoever it happens to be, and you learn that from watching kids. One thing that People say, whenever they come back from short-term mission trips in really poor parts of the world, what they always say is, those people have nothing, but they're so happy. Like, there's a certain sense of joy. I've heard Chris Settelmeyer talk about this. There were some kids he was watching who were playing with an old, like, dusty, broken tire, and it barely rolled down the street. But these kids were just playing with it for hours. Like, how is that possible. It's because we've been taught to believe that something is going to make you happy. When in reality, we don't really know what makes us happy, what really leads us to fulfillment. And I would argue that the thing that anybody has who feels ultimately fulfilled, and I think we'll collectively agree with this, the thing that Anyone has who feels like a sense of, of fulfillment. And this can be someone who has nothing, or this can be someone who has everything. It's peace. So it's in your heart, you're at peace. That who you are on the inside matches who you are on the outside that you aren't like struggling with this conflict, that you're not like trying to put up this appearance or trying to go in this certain way that just you have a certain sense of peace about you. And this is why sometimes when we see celebrities who have all of this money, all this stuff, just completely make a wreck of their lives, it's something that we don't necessarily like to admit that it's interesting to us, but it actually kind of is. It's like a train wreck, right? You don't really want to look at it, but it's like, oh, that you know, I guess they're feeling that same struggle internally that I am. And in some way, they're in that same battle, and they might have a lot more stuff, but they're not at peace in their heart. So I think that when we think about what God would want us to do, who God would call us to be, ultimately, I think that we would have to wrestle with, okay, how do I live with more peace in my heart? How do I live with a certain sense that I'm not just going to go by the next bowl light or whatever it happens to be to achieve happiness? And you might decide that that might be the thing that you want. Maybe that does help out a, a family problem or something. But what if you had a different way about you? So there's a lawyer who comes to Jesus. And if you're familiar with the Bible at all, you're likely familiar with this story. But he says, teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And again, if you're familiar with the Bible, you probably know what what Jesus is going to say. But I'd like to just hold this for a minute. Like, imagine that you're actually there. You're in this moment, and you know, you're in the crowd, or you're the one who asked that question. You're just waiting. I mean, what do you expect? What is Jesus going to say? I think oftentimes we would expect like a thou shalt not, right? What's the greatest commandment? Well, you really, you have to avoid this. Like, let me tell you this. Like you have to avoid like that kind of person or you have to avoid that situation or you have to avoid like here is the the, the thing that you have to build your life around. Don't do blank, right? Whatever you do, avoid that. We can think that life is about that, that like religion is about thou shalt not. But what Jesus says is pretty beautiful and, and brilliant. He says, and again, likely you can quote this with me, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And the second one is like it. The first, this is the first and greatest commandment. The second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. The Bible is important, and it's inspiring, and it helps us to live, but this entire thing can be summed up in these two. What's great is Jesus can't pick just one. It's like, I can't just say one. I need to like have both, that it's about the peace that you would have with God, that you have a certain peace in your life with God, that you would love God with all of your heart, all of who you are, and then that would like spill out to other people think about just how profound that is, that it's not like Jesus says, okay, here's the one thing that you have to avoid. Here's the one issue. Here's the thing that you have to, like, just don't ever do this. We would expect that it would be like that. And oftentimes, I think that religion, Christianity in general can be part of instigating that. When I first started in ministry, so I've been here for um, 10 and a half years now, so I'm not like a young preacher anymore. I'm an old preacher. I gave up the battle with my hair this week. <laughs> it was just like, just time time to just hang it up and say, at least I beat my brother who's two years younger than me. So uh, that's all that I needed. But like when I first started here 10 and a half years ago, there was somebody who, uh, and bless his soul, he was a kind man. He's, he's, he's dead now. But um, whenever we would have a, a service and somebody would clap during a song, he would come at the end of the service and hand me a, a pamphlet that said that we're not allowed to clap in church. And I it's very odd that he had these all always with him because it was like, he like, can't go anywhere without these. You know, I don't know how, how that that happened. But like every time somebody clapped in church, I was like, here you go, Brian. And it's like, after a while, it's like he knew what I thought about this issue. I was like, I, I'm not going to tell him. I'm not going to preach like an anti-clapping sermon. What are people, how are people supposed to respond to that? I don't know. But uh, yeah, it's just like, I, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. After a while, I, I'm not really going to, I don't agree with your perspective. And it's just so easy for religious people to worship forms of how we worship God instead of actually God. And this is true of me too. I'm not like trying to to speak badly to this guy, but it's just so easy to start to worship the forms that we use to worship God and come up with a list of thou shalt nots instead of just asking the hard question like, okay, Jesus isn't vague about this. It's not like, hmm, I wonder what Jesus thinks is the most important. Like, we have it here. It's here for us. And ultimately, again, I would say this isn't about like, okay, then if you love like the right amount of people, then you're going to one day be in heaven. What I think this is about is this is about a better, more fulfilling life right here and right now. That if you would find a way to be at peace with God and love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, if you would find a way to then let that go out and not just be something that's just internal, but that you would like, let that love be the way that you love other people, you're going to have a better life now. Think about somebody perhaps that you're just not at peace with. What would it take for you to have, maybe you need to have a hard conversation with them. But they just like keep coming into your mind. What would it take for you to like, you know, sit them down and say, you know, I'm, we're not at peace right now. How can we work on this? How can we move forward? Because this anxiety and tension that's in your heart because of that Relationship. It's not just bad for, like, you know, keeping score in eternity or whatever. It's bad now. It has an impact now. And in some ways, I think I was, I was raised with this understanding that either you would be, like, a good religious person or you could be happy. But I think Jesus offers us a fulfilling life now. It was when I was in junior high in this church that we had a, a youth minister who was like a cool person and a Christian at the same time. And I didn't know that existed. And we would like play video games and hang out. And he was somebody who like for the first time I was like I didn't know that that person existed. There's something to be said about understanding that the way that Jesus teaches has very practical life lessons for us in the here and the now. Do you want to be fulfilled? Do you want to be happy? Jesus would say it starts with having a certain peace in your heart with God and a peace with other people. And as we begin this series, I would like to ask you that question Are you at peace with God? And are you at peace with other people? This is when you get into a conversation around a word that I don't think is is all uh, that valued in our world, the word sin, and sin is one that I think we struggle with at times. Like, what is sin? What does that mean? What is a sin? But oftentimes, we can just call it like a little bit something that we don't really want to think about. We distance ourselves. Theologian Francis Spufford says it this way, Case in point, the word sin, that well-known contemporary brand name for ice cream, and high-end chocolate truffles, and lingerie in which the color red predominates. There's a fish restaurant in Lima, Purdue called Las Pescadoras Capitalis, which is Spanish-language pun on the similarity between the words for sinning and fishing. An English equivalent would be calling it the seven deadly fins. <laughs> taxes on cigarettes and booze are called sin taxes. So when we like collectively think of of the word sin in our world today, I think it's like, you know, having ice cream after 8 p.m. or doing like something that's just like a little bit too indulgent. And so there's like all of these ideas, there's these different ways that this word is used and almost kind of in a mocking sense, you know, like the seven deadly fins doesn't sound like it's really like honoring that word very much. And so I think we, we struggle a little bit with this word, and we, we struggle with, you know, what, what is a sin? Like, what, what is truth? What does this exactly look like? And so we don't really like the word sin. We prefer the word mistake. Like, oh, I just made a mistake. But what happens when you fly somewhere to make a mistake? Or what about when you continue to put yourself in the same situation over and over and over and over again, to make that mistake. Oftentimes, I think kind of in in the Christian religion, how we think of it is that you can just kind of continue in these patterns. And yes, there is forgiveness and grace and and love for you. But we are kind of like, sorry, God, I did it again. And God's like, oh, good luck out there, Bobby. Go get them next time. And then we just continue to put ourselves in that same situation over and over again. And over and over again. And again, I'm not saying that there's not grace for you sometimes in those patterns. I think that we all struggle with sin patterns in our lives. But our hope, I think, as a church, and what God's hope for you is that you wouldn't be struggling with the same sin five years from now that you are right now. That there is going to be growth in your heart, that there's going to be maturity. That you're not just going to keep putting yourself in the same situation ultimately because that leads you to a better life now. Not just off in the future, but that if you would stop in the patterns that are sinful in your life and destructive, it would lead you to a better life now. A more fulfilling life in the here and now. Sin, I think... The way that I would very simply define it is when we break relationship with God and break relationship with others. I think you can't sin without first either breaking relationship with God or breaking relationship with others. We see this from the very beginning of Scripture, the end of Genesis chapter 2, one of my favorite passages. Adam and Eve are, are naked in the garden together and they feel no shame It's not that one yet, but Genesis chapter 2, they're in the garden, they're naked, and they feel no shame. And you read that, and doesn't your heart just long for that? That you would have a a certain way about you in the world that you just don't have to exist from shame and doubt and all that stuff. Like, they just have this, this perfect relationship with God and a perfect relationship with each other. And then sin enters the world. And Adam and Eve decide that it's a good idea to hide from God. That's a game that you're probably not going to win. And finally, Adam reveals himself. He says to God, you know, I I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. He's still got the fruit running down his face. Who told you that you were naked, God asks. Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Yeah, people say that chivalry is dead today. It was dead immediately. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was like basically with the first woman, like chivalry immediately died uh, at, that, at that moment. See, Adam says, paraphrasing here, it was her fault. And y'all two just need to go work on it. I'm going to go stay over here, basically. Like, you, you two, like, you gave me a defective model. Um, let's, let's maybe reboot this whole thing, and let's, let's figure this out later. It's, I mean, it's just amazing that this sin enters the world, and all of a sudden, like, you know, fingers are being pointed, and everything's all screwed up, and it's like, God, you know, I'm no longer at peace with you, so I hid. But so you kind of need to figure that out. And now I'm not at peace with her either. She's, she's not the right one for me, basically. Like, this hasn't worked out. And it's just, just amazing how you go from a verse that said they were naked together, they felt no shame, they're at peace with God and at peace with others, and then immediately the peace has been broken. The relationship between God and Adam, the relationship between Adam and, and, and Eve, it's been broken. Sin causes us to choose the immediate for the ultimate causes us as it kind of spirals out of control for us to choose what we really, really want for something that we really don't. The book of James, Jesus' brother, says this, Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. James says something that is so true, that when sin first enters the world, it looks like a cute little baby. And you like, just walk down that path because you just have no idea where it's going. And then you take a few further steps down that path and you find yourself in a position that you never would have chosen at first. But when it's right there in front of you, it's so easy to take a step to the right and to the left. To walk away from, I believe, who God has intended for us to be. And we've all experienced this. And we all are sinners. I'm an active sinner. And I hope that you realize that you are too. We're broken. We're not perfect. But don't believe the lie that God wants you to just stay there and then come to church a couple times a month or so and say, sorry, God, and God's like, all right, get back on the field. The hope is that you would grow and mature, that you would experience something that really does lead you to a more fulfilling life now. So what's the most important rule of the law? That you would love God, that you would also love people. If you're able to do that, you can truly change the world. One of the great lies, I think, that we believe at times is that as long as you do something and it doesn't hurt anybody in the immediate, then you can just keep doing it. As long as you don't like, actually like, see direct implications from that immediately, then you can just keep going. This has implications in all parts of our lives. But I think about something like pornography, which is an issue and continues to be. And the thought is, like, you can just do whatever you want in the safety of your own computer. It doesn't matter. And you kind of have this lie of, like, well, you know, once I find the right person, then I'll just, you know, I'll just turn that part off. And the issue is, like, studies show that that slowly, like, rewires your brain. You can't just turn it off. And so there are things that we probably wouldn't do if we were honest with ourselves and we said, you know, this isn't very loving towards God. This isn't what God would want me to do, and I know that. There are things that we would probably evaluate and say, yeah, this is going to ultimately probably undermine my own fulfillment. Things that I know that I probably shouldn't do. Jesus when he's asked this important question, what's the most important thing? He doesn't come up with a thou shalt not and say, here's like the one thing that you need to avoid. He s- instead invites all of us into a life where we would strive for peace with God and peace with others. I heard a story recently about uh, Eric and Debbie Joe's daughter, Molly. Uh, if you don't know her, she's a very, very sweet girl. And she works at a a senior living facility um, in this area. And there was a lady in her facility who was uh, turning, Molly thinks, around 90 years old. And she said to the staff that she had never had a birthday party before. And so Molly and some of the people from her team said, let's throw a birthday party. And so they went to the 99-cent store and bought about 10 gifts for her to open. Including, she always wanted to have her nails done, and so they bought her some clip-on nails so she could have that for for this birthday celebration. They took her over to the Wendy's, which was right across the street, and bought her a kid's meal because that was all that she could eat. But she sat there and opened all of these presents with her clip-on nails on and ate this Wendy's meal And I can't show you a picture. I actually haven't seen one because of HIPAA violations. And if there's someone listening to this sermon one day on HIPAA, we are not showing a picture. (laughs) But you can probably imagine what she looked like. And it's just because Molly and some of the people on staff at the senior facility paid a little bit more attention to the needs of the people that were right in front of them. And when we hear a story like that, our hearts just beam because that's who we're meant to be. That's like what it is to live a fulfilling life, to pay attention to the people in our neighborhoods, the people in our families, the people in our workplace. And it's not that it's that expensive. It just takes someone paying attention. And again, this is about living a more fulfilling life in the here and now. And there's so many ways that we choose isolation instead of this. There's so many ways that we choose, I think, to sin at times, to be more selfish instead of to look out to the needs of others. But what if you just asked the question this week, how could I love someone in my sphere of influence in a unique way? And don't make it too hard or make it too challenging. But how could I, because of the peace that I have with God, reach out to someone else? If you would like to connect your life more to God, if you would like to experience the the peace that I believe that we have with God that Scripture describes as passing understanding, we'd encourage you to, to talk with me or with Lars about connecting your life to Jesus through baptism. That is a way that I believe we find that ultimate peace with God. But what if all of us in here committed to being a little bit more open, to have our eyes looking for just one person, one person whose life we could touch, to love beyond just ourselves? We could change our world, we could change our neighborhoods. And again, I think that Jesus would say this isn't about like being with me one day forever, it's about a better life, a more fulfilling life right now. May we listen to the call that Jesus gives us to love God, to be at peace with God, and then to love other people. May we understand the way that we are sometimes part of brokenness, May we understand what truly would make us happy. What would it look like for you to love people as Jesus calls you to? Or to even this week love one? Let's stand and worship together.